Welcome to the Confident Feminine Body Podcast, a place of healing and transformation in your relationship with your body, food, and fitness. I'm your host, Elizabeth Marbury. I'm an intuitive healer and coach and founder of our Confident Feminine Body Program, where I help women build their self-worth from the inside out, free their voice, and love the sexy skin they're in without diets, deprivation, and self-sacrifice. Think of this podcast as your empowering and fun self-love guide, where you'll get real-time advice and tangible tools as we navigate this body and food freedom journey together. Let's dive in. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Confident Feminine Body Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Marbury, and today we have a super special guest. Her name is Jillian Leonard, and she is the co-founder of the Market Vibe Digital Marketing Agency, which is a full-service marketing agency. And Jillian and I met on Clubhouse, and Mm we slid into the DMs, and we connected because Jillian grew up as a dancer as well. Mm -hmm. She is also a body positivity, anti-diet culture advocate, And we are going to be talking all things self-worth, body image, and female entrepreneurship today. So Jillian, welcome to the show. I am so excited to be here, Elizabeth. And yeah, I think immediately when I saw you and I saw you were a dancer, I was like, damn, I'm a dancer. (laughs) Yes, yes. Dancers Dancers get it. (laughs) We connect over over our, our deep bond over dance. So I love that. Absolutely. Will you share with everybody your relationship with your body growing up and how it's kind of evolved and changed? Yes, absolutely. I have had a pretty complicated relationship with my body. I'm sure like a lot of men and women out there for me, it was just really hard growing up in the environment and the place that I did to really accept my curves for what they were. You know, I think as you well know, a lot of us millennials grew up in an age where there was like, we were seeing Britney Spears. We were seeing Christina Aguilera. That was the standard to be a size two is was the standard and not saying that there's anything with being a size two, but for the most of the population who are not, it really, you know, caused me to question my self-worth. And I mean, I honestly grew up hating my body. Like I'll just, I'll just be totally honest and transparent. I hated every single bit of it. It was a struggle for me for a very, very long time, especially because, you know, I come from a family of three daughters and my sisters are naturally very petite and, you know, I'm not, I'm built like my dad's side where they're curvy and taller. And it, I didn't really actually accept my body at all. I, for the very long time. And I remember, you know, growing up and I did uh, cross country and I was probably at my fittest and, you know, always questioning, like if I lost, you know, eight more pounds, I would be happy. If I am this size, I would be happy. And then I fell into dance when I was 15, because it was something that I had always wanted to do. Uh, And my parents, you know, sacrificed so much for us growing up, but they couldn't afford it. So 
at 15, I started dancing and that's when like, I would say more of my body dysmorphia started to start because the dance industry is very heavy on how you look, what your body looks like. And I mean, it's apparent when you're standing there and like you're in a leotard and there's nothing, you can't hide anything. And to stand next to these girls who are you know, probably two or three or four or five sizes smaller than you. It definitely makes you question. Um, but when I got into college, I, because high school was really rough for me, when I got into college, I felt like that was my time to just reinvent myself and to shine because I got out of the small town where I grew up and I could really, you know, put my life in the direction that I wanted to go. So, you know, I started working out and eating healthy and dancing competitively. I was a president of a club up there that was for dancers and I was probably in the best shape of my life. And I remember a very, very clear moment. Um, my friends and I used to do clothes swaps, um, all the time. Cause we were all broke college students. And I remember my friend gave me this pair of jeans and it was a size eight. And that is little for me. And I remember putting those on for a moment feeling like, yes, I did it. And then immediately after was, oh, I'll be so much happier when I'm a size six. And I remember looking in the mirror and I remember exactly how I felt and not even thinking, Jill, this is a dumb way to think. And, you know, it wasn't until later on, you know, when I was approaching 30, I realized like I had this really skewed version of my body. And I thought that, you know, it would get better after I got married because my husband and I have been together since college and, um, you know, we love each other very much. We work together. And I thought, you know what, after I get married, I'll feel more self self-worth. Well, actually it just made it worse because I kept having these crazy thoughts that I've had to work insanely hard on. And like, even now, you know, sometimes I'll catch myself and I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I could lose some weight. And for all of us, we've been in quarantine for a year and like, it's been a very difficult, emotionally challenging year for everyone. And I'd say that I finally arrived at a place where I accept my body for what it is. And for me, actually, last year during quarantine, I went through some really difficult health struggles where I was, you know, whenever I would run, I would get dizzy and I would be out for like days at a time. And then to hear doctors say like, well, I can't find anything wrong with you is extremely frustrating. And I've never been in a spot where my body, I didn't have control over it. You know, as a dancer, we are very in tune with our body. We know exactly what's going on, but to be out of control, I think was really humbling. And it really told me like, you know what, I need to trust my body and just, you know, be grateful for the fact that I can walk that, you know, I can still stretch and that, you know, I can hug my husband. So that is a very short version of my life to where I am now. But right now I feel like I finally arrived at a place where I can appreciate my body for what it is and still strive, you know, to be healthy. But now the goal is to be healthy, not to be thin. So that was a very long tangent. I'm very sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That was beautiful though. Like, I think so many people can relate to that story of thinking that once I get to this future point of a smaller gene size or a smaller weight, or it, even if it's not has, it, even if it has nothing to do with your appearance, it could be the job that you finally land or the partner you finally land mm -hmm. or the child you finally have. And it's this idea that if we can just get to that point, then we'll be happy. Then we'll feel like we are worthy of love and respect. 
And you said it so, so clearly, and it is so sad, right. That you, that you thought you got to the elusive size eight, and then the, all you could think about was getting to a size six. And it, mm-hmm. and that is the trap of, of the society that we live in is that once you're kind of aware of this way of thinking, you see it everywhere, right? This yeah. is what is marketed to us constantly. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, so I think so many people can relate to that, to your story. And I agree with you that as a dancer, it, it's like, we pride ourselves in having so much control over our bodies. And it's, and there is a very like competitive side too, I think of being a dancer and like pushing yourself and being the best. And I know for me, I've had to really unlearn some, there's a beautiful side of the dance world, right? There's a very beautiful artistic expressive side of being a dancer, but then the other side of it is that, that, that world of constantly comparing yourself to others and, Mm -hmm. and really unlearning that as you become an adult and knowing that, you know, what is the measuring stick? Like getting curious about what is this measuring stick that we are comparing ourselves to? Yeah. And yeah, so I, I love that. And so I'm curious about, so you are an entrepreneur, I'm an entrepreneur and how have you, how have you like taken this journey of feeling confident in who you are in your size and, and how has that shown up in, in entrepreneurship and how, how you do your work? That's a fantastic question. And I really think that if you are struggling with accepting the way you look or accepting your body that is going to spill over into other areas of your life. There's no way that if you are not confident in who you are, that you're going to be confident in other areas of of your life. And that could look like not being confident in your relationship, being confident at your work or with your family or, you know, anything. I feel like it spills over from that one root of you know, insecurity or self-doubt that spills over into other areas of your life. I think you have to be fully rooted in like loving who you are. And that means accepting your body. And sometimes it's quite a, sorry to curse. It's kind of a bitch to swallow, to be like, okay, I'm just going to accept that I'm curvy, even though I have been programmed to believe that it is not worthy, but you doing that is taking a stand and saying like, no, I'm going to love my body the way it is. I don't care what all of these out external sources are saying. And for me, it 1000% was affecting my work life and my l- relationship with my husband, especially actually my relationship with my family. And when I started to let go of those standards, thinking that, cause like with my family, I was like, oh, I have to be done up every time I see them. And at work, I always struggled with just feeling like I wasn't good enough. And honestly, that self-acceptance gave me the courage to just show up to my family and just be like, Hey, I'm not wearing makeup today. That's, this is just my face. Like, this is just what I look like. And also not to trip. Like if somebody mentions not my family, but if anybody mentions anything to me, you know, not to internalize it, I think. I think one of the things that is important to know is that when you hear something, when you're young and you're vulnerable and you're fragile, it's easy to hang on to that and make it as part of, you know, death defines who you are. And I didn't realize that I didn't realize until I started getting into personal growth when I was around 27, 
that I had been holding on to things from middle middle school. I had been holding on to things from when I was a child and I'm a, I'm an adult. Like, <laughs> come on, it's time to let that crap go. And I needed that like harsh reality to know that what was going on in my past was still affecting me in my present. So for me, it just it started when I started accepting, you know, like this is who I am. I'm not going to let those past voices control you know, who I am and what I do today, that's when I started to gain the confidence. And one of those things was leaving my job and going into entrepreneurship full time. So I think that when you can get just like good with who you are, with the body that you have, it, you know, you can't change it. I mean, you can change it to a certain degree, but I mean, I feel like if you can sit just in the love that you have for it and what it does for you, like the breath in your lungs, you, the, the ability to walk, the ability to write, I think that those are all, especially, you know, if you have something like an injury, like last year, I cut my hand with an avocado and I couldn't use my hand for a month. And I was so grateful when I got my hand back, I was like, wow. So I think before you have those experiences that, you know, suck, try and realize that before and that, you know, that self-worth is going to spill and just pour into other areas of your life where you're going to feel confident to be doing whatever it is that you're doing, the relationships that you have. It's just really powerful. I think self-love is something that it starts with that first, and then it spills into other areas of your life. Absolutely. And yeah, that our, our self-worth cannot have conditions around it, mm -hmm. right? Like it's not like <clears throat> I'm worthy when I get to this point, like right. you don't have to do anything to be worthy. Like mm -hmm. I want, I want everyone listening to this, anyone watching this to hear that your worthiness is not something to be earned. It is not something to, that you have to do or achieve. It is, it is part of who you are. Right. And it's, and it's coming into that rootedness, groundedness. And and I'm, I totally agree with you that the most important relationship that we have is with ourself. It mm -hmm. really is. And it's so easy when we get in, you know, into a marriage or you become a mother or you, or you're a business owner, you know, your business is your baby or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is. And it's, it's okay to pour your love into all these other sources, but where it becomes a problem is when when you feel like your sense of self-worth is like on the roller coaster, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and I, I always use the example of when I was in my twenties living in New York city, I would go out to the club to go dancing. And if I got a lot of male attention, I was feeling really good mm. about myself. Oh yes. I was, I was riding high, but then you know, another night I go out to the club. I don't get any attention. And I think, oh my gosh, is something wrong with me? Like, do I need to lose weight? Do I need to do this? Do I need to do that? And gosh, that was a horrible place to be in. Right. Where, mm -hmm. and now with social media and all of that, it can also mess with you. Right. Where you're like, how many followers do I have? How many comments am I getting? You know, it's so easy to kind of fall prey into kind of gauging the temperature of other people's reactions to us to know mm -hmm. that we're okay. Yeah. And that that's normal, right? It, it's normal to kind of want validation or need validation. But what I think what Jill and I want to just reiterate is, is when you are really rooted in the love and worthiness of yourself, 
you really can show up more powerfully for others and you can serve others at a, mm-hmm. at a much higher level, right? And yeah. you can be a better business owner and leader and you can have that creativity and that spaciousness because you're not spending all, I mean, think about how much energy, like I, I'm sure Jill, you can so relate to this when you were younger of like how much energy, how many hours did you spend hating your body and how much energy did that take from you? And when you can really accept who you are, accept your body, no matter your size. And, and by the way, when we say acceptance, that doesn't mean that you just don't care about your body. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that you're not, it's, it's the opposite. It's like, I, I accept who I am and I'm going to choose to do things because it brightens me and it connects me to who I am as a person versus I'm going to go do things because I'm trying to fix my broken body or shrink Mm. my broken body. I agree. And you know, when you were talking about going out and dancing and getting male validation, mine was shopping, any kind of shopping that would be like, my go-to. If I didn't feel good about myself, I would like buy a new outfit or new clothes and clothes was always my thing. And then I would get them, I'd put them on and it would be like a second later. And I, I wouldn't, I would go back to just like the self-loathing. So I think that's really important that you said that too, recognizing, you know, the cues of, um, what is it called where you're trying to numb or you're trying to, I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Where you're trying to numb yourself and just not think about it or think that there's this external thing that's going to give you this internal validation, but it starts from the inside. And that was something that I really, I really had to try hard to break. And like, now it's funny. Like, I'm like, "Ah, I'm so picky about clothes now with what I spend my money on. I'm just like, and plus it's got to fit. Let me tell you about this. I bet you totally know this for years. I want to say like 25 years of my life, I would always buy a size smaller in the hopes that I would fit into it. You want to talk about some self-loathing, having an entire closet filled of stuff that didn't fit me. It was so agonizing. And I did that with my wedding dress and I regret it so much. I regret it so much because on that day it was so tight and I couldn't relax. Like standing up was fine, but it was a corset dress and like sitting down was terrible. And, you know, I was kind of talked into it. And I think that's another thing is just like gaining back your power and saying no, like if somebody is like, Oh, just, you know, get it a size smaller. And then, you know, it'll motivate you to work out. Like, and Michael totally does that, but he actually has done it. And I'm like, I I cannot do that because trying to wear something that doesn't fit you, it just makes you feel so freaking uncomfortable. So I think when I turned like 25 ish, I was like, I am no longer buying stuff that is too small for me because one I'm wasting my money and I usually throw it out. And then I'm trying to like, you know, work out so that I can wear it. And then when the thing with my wedding dress, I read a lot of brides do that. It's like this whole hyped up of like looking your best and losing your weight on your wedding day. When I think it's so messed up, it's like, just show your man loves you for who you are right now. Like you don't have to get into this ridiculous shape, you know, to feel, enjoy your wedding day. (laughs) 
<laughs> and it's like, it's the shame failure cycle of diet yes. culture. It's like, it's like, okay, yeah. If you do this plan, you're going to get your summer body or your wedding dress mm-hmm. body. Mm-hmm. And then we, you know, starve ourselves or we punish ourselves with exercise or whatever, whatever it takes. And then of course it's not sustainable because our bodies are biologically set up to keep us alive. <laughs> So our bodies so don't true. know that we're intentionally, you know, cutting things out. I've got to keep this woman alive. So I'm going to do everything I can to get her back to, mm-hmm. to the place where she, where genetically she needs to be. Right. Yeah. And so it, it is so upsetting because it's like, and then, and so inevitably we quote unquote fall off the wagon. Right. And yeah. then we feel guilt and we feel like something is wrong with us and we and don't then have we any go to extreme. power and we don't have any motivation. And I'm like, it's not, it's not you. It's not your problem. The problem is, is this cycle mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. we, it's like, it, we're playing this game that sets us up for shame and failure. Right. And it does make me so upset. Like it makes me so upset. And I, I totally, I lived in that space too, where it was just like, like it was this place of, you know, I need a thing to, to motivate me to do these things for my body or, you know, or I needed to be a certain size for this event. And it's like, I feel like as I've gotten older too, I'm like, I don't have time for that. I, yes, that I have, is so true. <laughs> I have no interest in that. Like, I'm like, what? what is going to feel good to me that is sustainable, mm-hmm. that is going to give me energy, that's going to make me feel happy, that's going to make me feel connected to, to what brightens me. That's what I'm interested in doing. I am not interested in this like self-sacrifice. I will just like, I will just suffer so I can fit into whatever. It's like, no, yeah. I want to you know, it's like, I'm only interested in things that are sustainable. Like that's it. That's it. Yeah. Staying alive basically. You know what I learned recently, and I'm sure a lot of women can agree with this and men too, but for women specifically, and I'm just going to say like, if this is a trigger warning for you, this is a trigger warning. I used to obsess over the little tiny pooch that I had underneath my belly button, especially when I was dancing, I would do crunches constantly all the time. And especially in ballet, you know, you're pulling up like, so that, that goes away, but it was just a natural part was there. I just realized, and I just learned all women have that little pooch because it's like a tiny little area for if your body needs to grow a baby, it's like that extra little fat that's specifically for growing a baby. And I was like, I've spent, you know, 20 years, 25 years, worrying about that little pooch where it's part of my biology, like it's not going anywhere. And even if I was to get like, you know, surgery to suck it out, like, what's the point? It's just going to come back because it's part of who I am as a woman. And when I learned that I was like, I am never going to complain about that ever again. I just thought it was so beautiful. And I think that's another reason too, why we um, have this crazy body dysmorphia is we don't know a lot about it. There's a lot about the uh, specifically women's bodies that are left out of like medical journals or have been removed over the past, you know, you know, hundred years or so. And our bodies are still kind of a mystery and learning things like that. Maybe that would lead to more self-acceptance like, Oh, like I have this thing with my body, but it's here for this medical reason. You know what I mean? 
Oh my gosh. I'm so relating to this because I will tell you, which I didn't know this. I've had two children mm-hmm. and my hips are now wider. Yeah. They're just wider and they're right. not going to go back because yeah. I've, I've grown two humans in my body. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember like, after I had my babies, I was like, oh my gosh, like what's going on with this? And I feel like it kind of highlights this idea that like, we are sold this bill of goods as women that we're not supposed to age. Our bodies aren't supposed Mm -hmm. to change. We're not supposed to get wrinkles. We're not supposed. And I'm just like, what the heck? Like this system is just trying to keep us small. So going back to what you said earlier, I think a huge step, if you, if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, this is great. What do I do? How do I, how do Mm -hmm. I embody this? I think one of the first steps, yes, is of course, self-awareness being really aware of, okay, what are the thoughts in my head? Where, where is this coming from? You know, and getting curious about that. Like how you were saying, wow, I had thoughts in my head that were rooted in trauma from middle school. Right. Mm -hmm. I think so many people can relate to that. So, so getting curious about that, you know, where are these stories, where these patterns are rooted? Because sometimes it can come from our family. It can come from our school. It can come from society and just getting curious about those stories and then asking yourself, like, what is really true? Mm-hmm. What is really true in this situation? The second piece is freeing your voice. Yes. Oh it's my gosh. Freeing your voice. And it is like, which is what we're doing in this interview, right? Like mm-hmm. you are sharing your story. I'm sharing my story. We can talk about these things, but freeing your voice. And part of that is saying no. Part of that is setting boundaries. Part of that is saying, I don't want to, I, it's not okay for you to comment on my body. Mm-hmm. And that brings up something that I wanted to ask you about Jill. So you have a huge social media following. You have almost a hundred thousand followers on TikTok, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. And so tell us, have you had any haters? And if so, how do you deal with that? Oh, such a good question. And I love talking about social media and self-worth, but to add to what you said, I think honestly, it just comes down to figuring out what are the roots of your body dysmorphia or why you're not liking your money, your body for some reason, what are the roots? What are the voices? And are those voices your own? Or did somebody say that to you? And then I would just say to start letting that go to start, you know, I was in a manifestation room on clubhouse the other night with, um, a wonderful woman. Cause I was dealing with some anxiety and she was like, Jill, you have the power to choose the thoughts in your head. You have that power. You can choose again. So I would just, and I would recommend reading like personal development books are my jam. It's why I am the way I am now. It's freed me in so many ways. And like, if you can just think of your mind as create a hedge around it, protect your mind. Your mind is a very delicate space and it's crazy. You'll know, sometimes you don't even notice when negative thoughts creep in. And like, I just dealt with some, I just dealt with a situation, um, personal situation recently. And I felt bulletproof for the first time in a very long time. And I stood up for something that was wrong and, you know, stood up for someone that I cared about. And I called someone out and I was like, look, this is wrong. And I don't care what comes back at me. Cause I know I'm in the right. And I know that I'm standing up for something that I believe in. I think when you can get good with yourself and your body, that gives you confidence to go out and conquer the world, which leads into my TikTok, uh, the TikTok question. 
So yeah, I have a TikTok with my husband. It's called Michael and Jill. And we do like lots of relationship comedy. And we had a couple of videos hit a million, which was so exciting. I couldn't even believe it. And some of them, the comments were constantly that I'm fat constantly. And it was starting to really affect me. And I, I even remember telling Michael, and this was like last year, I was like, Hey, I really want to start working out and like getting in shape so that, you know, when we're on camera, we're, we're looking a little bit better. And he actually was like there for me and was like, okay, are you wanting to work out because you want to be healthy or are you wanting to work out because of those comments? And I had to be honest. And I was like, it's because of those comments. And he was like, well, honestly, those people can just F off because they don't know you. They don't know how beautiful and amazing you are. And I'm so grateful for him. Like, and he's just my rock and my cheerleader. And he was a psych, uh, he has a master's in psychology. So he's like my personal, I give him that. I give him, I give him, um, uh, what's permission to help me sometimes that that's a whole other conversation, but, um, And I realized I was like, what am I so worried about? Like these people, if you get hate, first of all, it's a good thing because that means that you are starting to blow up. Second of all, I heard Trent Shelton say this at a conference and it blew my mind. He said, haters are just confused supporters. And I thought he was so right because if somebody is okay with saying something nasty and saying something hurtful. If you flip it around, why would they do that? What is the reason? And for me, it just sounds like the reason is something inside them, they are hurting, or you did something that they don't have the courage to do, but secretly want to do. So I think if you're starting to get hate, first of all, don't read them. If, it, if you're a little bit more sensitive to it, do not read them. Like I don't read the comments. Michael doesn't care. So he reads the comments and he's just like, whatever, but we've gotten to a point where we don't care. And if a lot of times on social media, specifically on TikTok, if you build an engaged following, they will come to your rescue and they will fight in the comments. And the great thing is like, keep commenting. You're giving me algorithm favor. Just sit and pop the popcorn. And like, we get the same hate over and over and over again. They say that I'm fat and Michael is gay. And we're just like, okay, like you don't have anything more creative to come up with. Okay. Like whatever. And it's like, you know, that's why we're trying to break those standards. We did one year where Michael made me a period box and it hit 3 million and it's about to hit 2 million on Instagram, which I cannot believe but he's not afraid to break those, you know, male social norms. Just like, I'm not afraid to just be a curvy woman and just be okay with it. So with haters, they're just confused supporters, see them from an area of compassion because they're hurting in some way. And then also just pop the popcorn because they're giving you algorithm favor and they're commenting. And if they're really nasty, like if they're really nasty or they're racist or they're hate hate speech, we'll delete them. But if a video is blowing up, just be grateful it's blowing up and like your community will come to your rescue and to just don't even worry about it because their comments and their words are not who you are as a character. The character of who you are as a person. And I mean, all success comes with the good, the bad and the ugly. And so you just have to create, like I said, a hedge around your mind, become bulletproof, rooted in who you are and just keep going, keep your blinders up. Don't even trip. (laughs) Wow. And how like your, your platforms are such a beautiful experiment for you to embody this work. Exactly. (laughs) And that's what I always say. So for you, it's social media for someone, it just might be their interaction with their best friend. Yep. Right. Like 
life is, there is so much that is out of our control and we are always given the opportunity to embody our worth. So mm-hmm. I love your advice about haters. I think it can go past social media into like our everyday relationships too. And I love that, yeah. that idea of looking at it from a lens of compassion. That person is clearly <laughs> suffering that that person has some stuff that they need to work through. And that's not your responsibility mm-hmm. to work through it or, or educate them. Right. That's- You're absolutely right too. Because if you think about it in your real life, if someone said to you, you need to lose 10 pounds or, um, you know, you'd be so much prettier if you'd lose 10 pounds, which is something that I heard, um, quite a bit. And honestly, if you can just flip it and just have that hedge and just let it deflect, but then also think like, what would encourage someone to say that? And it's probably an insecurity that they have or worry that they have or something like that. And don't, don't internalize it. It's just like when you get regular negative thoughts, like there, I love the yoga practice, um, the meditation practice. They're like leaves on a stream. You acknowledge them, you see them, and then you let them float away. You don't hold on to them. Absolutely. Yeah. We call Mm -hmm. that non-attachment and yes. It's yeah. I love that. Jill, we are so aligned dancers, <laughs> yogis, inner critics, social media, self-worth. Like I love all of this entrepreneurship. We could go on and on. So if people want to follow your amazing social media, because you and Michael do make a, like hilarious videos. I love watching your videos. So I definitely want people to go check those out. Where can they find you? Yeah. So you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Michael and Jill. If you guys want to come and hang out and feel free to reach out to us. If you're going through something, we've both been through just the ringer and know what it's like to work through trauma and get into self-acceptance. And we, we love chatting with people and being that, you know, beacon of positivity that they can come to. But Elizabeth, thank you so much for having me. This was amazing. This was my first solo podcast. So I am very, very honored. Woo! Thank you so much. We are so honored. Thank you for your time. And we'll see you guys again next time. Yay. Thank you so much. I'm Elizabeth Marbury, and I want to thank you for listening and hanging out with me today. Join our free community of brave soul sisters who are crushing it on their journey to body love and food freedom by going to confidentfemininebodygroup.com. That's confidentfemininebodygroup.com. And be sure to download my free gift while you're there. I'd also love to hang out with you on social media. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Elizabeth Marbury. I am sending you so much love today and always. See you next time.